Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Janie Charlotte. Matters of the Heart and Soul is a podcast to raise awareness and awaken humanity to all that is within. We want to be a beacon of light on your life journey. Hey guys, welcome back to Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. This is your host, Janie Charlo. And on this episode, we are talking about brain wellness. Um, I think it's such an important topic right now, especially with so much of mental health going on and people not understanding the difference between the brain and the mind. So we chat with Miss Mandy Counters. She is a neurological nurse practitioner. She is out in Minnesota. So we chat with Mandy about ways to preserve our neurological function, um, how stress affects our brain, um, the trajectory of healthcare, how mental and emotional issues can definitely manifest as physical symptoms such as headaches. And Mandy, um, I think that is her specialty, headaches. She has a wonderful eight-week program that if any listeners out there suffers with headaches or any other neurological issues that after you listen to this podcast, you think Mandy is a great fit for you, reach out to her. She gives her information and how she can be reached um, and I think it's so important that we have these open communications. We also talk about just healthcare and healthcare providers and just what Mandy and I think, you know, the direction of healthcare. It's really a great podcast, guys. So check it out. And as always, we appreciate you guys so much. Please like, subscribe, and share. All right. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. This is Janie, your host. And guys, we are talking all about brain wellness with neurology nurse practitioner, Mandy Counters. So welcome to the podcast, Mandy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's been like over 10 years you've been in neurology, um, pretty much specialized in headache uh, education and stuff like that. But just go ahead and introduce yourself, Mandy, tell our listeners a little bit more about you and how you are now spreading the word on brain wellness. Yeah. So I've actually been in healthcare for about 23 years total, uh, a little over 10 of those as a nurse practitioner. And almost all of my experience has been in neurology. And it's, that's just an area near and dear to my heart because of that. Um, and a few years ago, I got involved in functional medicine or got a, a kind of a, um, entrenched in it and absolutely started loving it. It was just a different way to look at health rather than our typical Western medical style of here's a bandaid for whatever problem that you have. So it's been a, a little bit of a change, but not a huge change in my practice because I've always been into the why of what's going on and just trying to get out there explaining more of, of the why to people and trying to help uh, my patients and, and clients to identify what's going on with their bodies rather than just fixing it with a pill. Exactly. So for people out there who have never heard of functional medicine, what is functional medicine? The way I like to describe it is functional medicine looks at the root cause of our problems. So rather than saying, oh, you have high blood pressure here, take a pill for that. It's why do you have that high blood pressure? Let's look back in your life and see what happened that caused that. So we can intercept the why and stop it from being a problem. And you might not need those medications or even the same doses, at least for moving forward. 
Exactly. And so far in your practice with functional medicine, what are you finding some of the root causes of, let's say, stroke or neurological dysfunction? Um, any of those autoimmune diseases, what are you finding as root causes? Yeah, so there's a lot. Uh, I know. When, <laughs> as I've dealt I know with that's, that's probably a difficult question, but we could you, talk all day probably. Yeah. Causes, but I'm uh, just kind of quick and dirty. When, when we think about, about stroke risk factors in particular, we look at things that are, are things that we can change and things that we can't change. So as we age, we get more, more adept to having health issues and we can't change that. We can't reverse our, our age, but things we can change are things that like stress and sleep and how we eat and how we exercise. And those are kind of the big components for any neurological problem is how we eat, how we, how we deal with stress, how we deal with just life in general. And those lifestyle things actually have more of an impact on our overall health than even prescription medications do. Wow. And I believe that. So what would you say are some of the key, like if you had to give us two things that and, uh, and you just want to shout it out at the mountaintop to help people prevent brain issues such as stroke, like you mentioned, what are two things that you would mention to, to humanity right now with everything mm -hmm. that we have going on? And we've had a lot of strokes, a lot of heart attacks, a lot of things that's going on um, since the pandemic, before the pandemic, but it's almost like things have really been highlighted since then. Yep. Honestly, I, I think that the two biggest ones that come to mind are nutrition and stress. Okay. And with the pandemic, with everything else going on, um, political changes in the world, stress is huge. So trying to find a way to mitigate that stress and really find healthy outlets for that. And some of those unhealthy outlets get into our nutrition. We start to self-medicate with sugars and alcohols and, and things that are not beneficial to us. And if we can really get back to eating whole real foods, our body knows what to do with those. And that in turn will lead to less stress on our body. So those two things are really, really interchangeable and really connected. Mm -hmm. And so what is your recommendation for those people who are already trying to heal a brain issue? Mm -hmm. um, someone possibly that has had a stroke or some type of brain issue, tumor, um, any type of neurological functioning, how should they start to heal that's not necessary, not necessarily pharma pharmacology, although that it's helpful, right? Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. Um, but what are some things people can do to start healing themselves? Mm -hmm. Number one, after any kind of brain injury, whether it's traumatic brain injury or stroke or or even an acute headache that somebody has right now, the biggest thing you can do is sleep. Mm. Rest is uh, there's been a lot of research to show that when we rest, that's when our brain heals the most. So if you can get good uninterrupted sleep, that's the best way you can do it. Sure. There are pharmacological ways for that, but there's also just general sleep hygiene, going to sleep at the same time, regardless of what day it is actually sleeping in a dark area. Don't have a TV in your room, things like that. Just getting that good uninterrupted sleep. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, what do you think is the difference between the mind and the brain? The brain is more of a physical thing that's in our body. That's what controls our thoughts, our sleep, our, our sleep-wake cycle, our, our um, addictions or non-addictions. Our mind is more of what makes us who we are. So we have a little bit of control over some of those things that our brain does. And 
our, our mindset is huge on that. Um, how we just decide to look at the world will interpret what our brain tells our body to do. So anybody that's in it, that is, uh, has stress in their life, there are two ways you can deal with it. You can be stressed or you can choose to take it step-by-step, step, break down that stress and try to come to a calmer state. We're all going to have stress. That's not going to go away, but how we, we can take control of our mind and choose to deal with that stress. will tell our brain what to do with all those hormones in our body. Mm-hmm. And what has the last, let's say three years done to our brains <laughs> collectively it's, that you've yeah. noticed in your practice? I see a lot more, a lot more stress and anxiety. Uh, people's blood pressures are rising because of the stress and anxiety. There is a lot of fear in society, not knowing what's going to happen with our, our economy, our uh, illnesses. Um, some people who still are, are very scared to go anywhere out in public and very much are, are holed up by themselves. There's a lot more mental health issues because of that as well, because people are not socializing like they used to. So all of that is playing a huge impact on the health of our brains. Yeah. And Mandy, are you, are you um, seeing people inpatient and outpatient or what is your work day like? Yeah. Most of what I do is inpatient still. I have started a program outside of the hospital for patients that have chronic headaches and migraines to try to look at more of the lifestyle factors. Um, That's something that I don't have an opportunity to do in the hospital because it's brief visits there. Uh, But in the hospital, it's all the acute things that are really sick people that are coming in because they've been putting off their health. Yeah. And I think that's important to talk about because you're getting people when it's, it's blown up. The, mm-hmm. Now we have a stroke. Now our blood pressure is through the roof. Now we have some type of traumatic brain injury. And sometimes you can't prevent traumatic brain injuries like accidents and stuff. Right. So not talking about that, but things that we can prevent. Um, how do we bridge it? How do we bridge it? Because um, I'm also a nurse practitioner, family. So I am more in the community. I try to do a whole bunch of prevention mm-hmm. so that people don't have to see you in the hospital. Um, yeah. So how do we bridge it? How do we get more people to um, to not have to be going through some real life changes? That's a really good question. Uh, Once I get people beyond that acute phase in the hospital, I do try to do some of that teaching because I know uh, the folks that where I send it like you in the primary care, you guys don't have as much time to deal with patients dealing with all of these lifestyle issues that they need to have 15, sometimes 30 minutes. I think max was an hour that I had with some patients when I was doing the outpatient world. And even then it's so hard. No, (laughs) it's it's so hard to deal with any issues in that little bit of time frame, much less really go into the the depths of of what's going on with a patient. Um, so I myself try to try to bridge that as much as I can, going through as much education with the patient before they leave the hospital as possible. I know that's not all practitioners. Um, but there's a lot of Dr. Google things. People look things up afterwards and they're sometimes finding good information, sometimes not finding good information. Um, which is where I'm, I'm hoping that shows like yours and, and mine ultimately will do the same thing and, and educate people beyond that, that 15 minute block of time that they get with the provider. Exactly. And, and guys, it's true. Like it's, it's 15 minutes, it's 20 minutes. Um, like Mandy said, an hour is really not heard of anymore. Yeah. It's not. Um, and this is actually good. Cause I'm going to, we'll talk a little bit about the healthcare system and where yeah. we are and what we need to do better, you know, because we have a lot of, of area for improvement and 
what we've been doing good. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes we don't get those pats on the back. You know that as well as I do. And, and you have to be built for this type of work. I think it's a calling. I think it's a mission. It's a part of who you chose to be when you decided to come here on this earth in this incarnation. So um, how, how do we do it? Like, how do, first of all, and I don't, I know some, some providers were kind of silenced because there was things that they felt that could have been different when we've had the pandemic and things like that. How are you doing it in inpatient in the hospital? Um, what are you seeing that could be changed? And we're not talking about any specific health system or anything. We're just talking general health care across the board. Mm-hmm. There are so many limitations that get put, us, put on us in this system that yes. we have to follow specific rules. Um, even a couple of years ago, before the pandemic hit, I came up with a, a sheet, for example, on diet recommendations based on my years of experience as a nurse practitioner and my own personal research that I had done into the benefit benefits of health and, and well-being for our brains. And I came up with a sheet of what, what to eat versus what not to eat in each food category. And I was allowed to give that to patients as long as I prefaced it by saying, these are my recommendations. This is not the ADA recommendations because they they would not let other staff members pass it out, for example. So I couldn't give it to one of my nurses and say, hey, can you go give this to the patient? I had to personally give it out and give the caveat that this was my recommendation, not the ADA. Wow. Now, that being said, my patients loved it because it was all a conglomeration of of books upon books that I had read and put all that information together. And they loved it because they didn't have to then go do the research themselves. And it was easier to swap out foods that they should be eating versus things that they weren't. Mm-hmm. That's it takes interesting. more practitioners like us to do things like that. Yeah. You know, the, the and, and it's going to yeah. take, it's going to take people, I think, kind of taking it upon themselves in which, in whichever way you can, um, mm-hmm. in whatever specialty you feel that this is where you're called to be. Um, and it's going to take a group effort because mm-hmm. Mandy's right. There's so many restrictions on what you could do, what you can say. Um, and I think that's a big, big problem. It really is. Mm-hmm. So where do you think we're headed in healthcare right now? I think people are getting tired of our normal system. <laughs> and I know as a provider, I'm tired of being told what I can and can't do from an ins- uh, insurance standpoint. There are things that I would love to have my patients do that I can't because they're not covered. Uh, So I think uh, a lot of it is going to go to what people can find on their own in almost like a concierge type of system when people are going to start looking outside of the normal healthcare system. Where can I get health? I might have to pay a little bit more for it, but where can I get it that it's actually going to benefit me? Yeah. And that's such a good point. Um, if you're out there and you're listening to this and, and you're you're fed up as a patient, you're not getting what you feel you need. You may have to go outside of the normal healthcare system. You may have to reach out to providers who aren't taking insurance because mm-hmm. a lot of times insurance is a headache. Mm-hmm. They don't want to pay providers for all the work that they're doing, all the education. Um, and some providers just can't afford it because it takes a lot of uh, personnel to cover insurance and all of that. So just keep an open mind because I do believe the healthcare system is changing. Mm -hmm. The old system is breaking down. A new one is building up. Um, And if you haven't looked around, you should, you could see changes now. I mean, there's tons of telemedicine going on. Uh, People don't even want to go in the office anymore. They Mm -hmm. don't want to go in the emergency rooms. I've had patients flat out tell me I'm not going there. 
I'm not going there. You know, my family member went and never came back. You know, it's just, it's so many things. Um, and is we can't point the finger at no one. I just think that we have to look for solutions to meet the needs. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about headaches. Let's yeah. talk about headaches. Um, tell us whatever you want about headaches, because I think everyone at some point deals with a headache, whether it's sinuses or, you know, anything. So tell us yeah. what we need to know about headaches. Yeah. Wellness so point. There's so many things we can talk about. My goodness. But um, some of the, the thing, kind of the bigger things right now, we are headed into winter we are headed into different changing seasons. This is often a big time where people will start to get sinus headaches with allergies. Um, all of the harvesting of, of uh, foods that is going on in all the fields, especially in the Midwest where I am, there's a lot of that that can trigger headaches and, and allergy type of headaches. But in general too, just uh, stress headaches are huge right now because of all the, the changes that we've discussed. And so people are having a lot more stress-related headaches, whereas they'll say, well, I haven't had a headache in a long time. Why am I having all these headaches now? Well, look at your stress level in your body. You are stressed to the max right now with everything that's going on. So there are kind of the top five things I usually like to talk about with people. Uh, and those things are sleep, as we mentioned, nutrition, making sure that you're getting good, healthy food making sure that you get good hydration. So not drinking enough water is a really common one too. Uh, people that are more active tend to be a little bit better at getting water in, but not everybody. Um, and then our, my goodness, I've lost track of where I was. Sleep, uh, yes, nutrition, water. Sleep, yeah, sleep, water, uh, stress, nutrition, you said. I'll come back to that last yeah, one. <laughs> I'm having a, a brain yeah. moment. Um, but so set, for example, with, with sleeping, making sure that you get a good amount of sleep every night, uninterrupted, as we mentioned with our water intake, you should be getting half of your body weight in ounces of water a day. So take your weight in pounds divided by two. That's how many ounces of water you should get in a day. Most people aren't getting that. And dehydration leads to a lot of headaches. It leads to increased risk for strokes and other neurological problems as well. So just general good health, uh, getting that in. Mm. With diet, there's a lot that we can we can go into a whole little rabbit hole about about diet as well. Uh, with that, there are foods that you should get in every day. Uh, and I just actually did a little video on on my social media account yesterday about getting in protein. So women especially need to make sure we get enough protein in our diet. And there are a lot of foods that trigger headaches that can cause a lot of inflammation in our body. So there's a whole gamut of, of foods and uh, nightshade vegetables being one of them. And a lot of people haven't heard of nightshade vegetables. That's all the good things you put in like a fajita, your mm -hmm. peppers, your, your onions, um, eggplant, not so big on my, my yeah. case, but um, some of those foods that are really important staples in a lot of people's diets can actually cause a lot of inflammation in our bodies. Mm -hmm. um, coffee, that's a big one for people. And sometimes they need that daily coffee, but that daily coffee could be giving you your headaches as well. So there's a huge array of, of foods that can trigger headaches. And some of that is just going through a daily checklist of what are you eating? And then do you get a headache afterwards? Kind of keeping a headache diary and seeing what, what in my diet am I doing that's causing problems? Yeah. Um, there's a whole, that can be a whole discussion on itself too. Yeah. And do you think um, genetics play a big role in certain foods? Because now I, I truly believe not everyone can eat the same things. Like you really should know your blood type and, mm -hmm. and um, DNA and just kind of things, how things run in your own family to see what foods best resonate with you. Because some people could eat things and some people can't. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my mom, for example, so migraines run in my family. My mom was a, a big activator with MSG. So any foods that had MSG in them mm. and lo and behold, my sisters and I all, all have the same issue. Um, when I was exposed to functional medicine initially as a patient, I did genetic testing with that and found there were several foods that I liked that were thankfully really good for me based on my genetics and some that were not, and they were going to be more triggering for inflammation in my body. Yeah. So it's, it's not a common test, but it's something that can be done to really see what foods are going to best benefit you. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about mental, emotional with headaches mm -hmm. and also how mental, emotional can show up physically, such as a headache. Yeah. Um, what is your take on that? I think our brain and our body have a huge connection. So when we, when we talk about somebody that has chronic headaches, there's a bit of a downward spiral that we get into. So first off, if you have stress that causes your headache and you have increased stress, your headache's going to get worse, which is going to increase your, your stress again too. So it's, mm -hmm. again, this downward spiral, they both play on each other. Um, but people that have chronic health issues, it's sometimes uh, a, try to, a trick to figure out which one came first, the chicken or the egg. Was it the chronic health issues that came first or was it the stress and, uh, and headaches that came first? So uh, when we look at that, we really kind of have to tease those two things apart because they really play into each other. I had patients years ago who were chronically sick. They just did not look well when they were coming in and they never had a positive thing to say in the appointment. It was always everything negative. And it's really hard to break that cycle when all you see is negativity. It's really hard to then look for that positivity. However, if you can change it, if you can change your attitude, change your response to your stress level and realize that you have more control than you think you do, those symptoms can actually start to improve. Absolutely. I've, I've cared for many, many people who they have no, no ex explanation for their ailments, their illnesses, except for potentially stress. When we really try to break it down, all the tests that we do in the hospital come back negative. Everything looks like the patient should be fine, but they clearly have physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then I have a conversation with them and say, okay, well, what's going on in your life? How is your stress? And then all of a sudden they break down and they start crying. And then it all comes out and we realize, okay, what you need is psychological help. This is not a physical problem. You have a physical manifestation of a psychological need. Yeah. And I personally believe that most trauma, most issues lodges in the physical body if you do not know how to heal it before mm -hmm. it, it stays stuck there. Mm -hmm. And I think people are definitely not putting that together. Yeah. And personally, I think providers, a lot of providers aren't putting it together. Yes. Um, and I think that we have to do a better job as healthcare providers in screening for stress. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't, mm -hmm. because I think we go straight for wanting to just fix and treat, fix and treat, and then next, get next person, because, because it's how it's set up, right? Yeah. Our time is limited. Yeah. We have all these patients to see. We just don't have time to sit there with patients. So I think we do need a complete overhaul in, yes. in healthcare. And I, and I definitely do things a whole lot different in my own clinic. Um, and I love it. And, but it's true. I, I think that we have to do a better job. Now, yeah. I think that patients also has a responsibility in their own health. Absolutely. They have more you know, responsibility than they We are your partners in health. 
we're, we are human. We're practicing science. We're practicing medicine and then medicine that was taught according to an, a, a system, maybe an old system too. And we are helping you. We're your partner, but you have a responsibility as an individual in your own healthcare. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So Mandy, can you touch a little bit on like left brain versus right brain functioning um, and how that plays a role in uh, maybe some um, issues that we see bipolar and some other mental issues that we may see that could be deemed neurological as well? Yeah. Yep. So our left brain is kind of thought about as our logical brain. That's where uh, for most people, our language centers on the left side of our brain as well. Uh, about 85%, 85 to 90% of all people who are right-handed, your language is on the left side. And about 50% of all people who are left-handed, the language is also there. So overall, about 85% of all, of all of us have our language on the left side of our brain, which is our logical side. So we're trying to break down and, and logically think about things, whereas our right side of our brain is more of our creative side of our brain. That's where we have a lot of, of impulse response. So if we are known as impulse buyers, for example, right brain dominant on that one because we're, we're more into that last minute shopping bit. Um, but we really need those two halves of our brain to work together in order to get us through life successfully. You can't always be that impulse person and you can't always be the logical person because there's not always a good logical reason for things. Uh, but we really need to find activities that will bring both of those together. Years ago, when I started working in stroke care, uh, I was reading all sorts of different articles about how you can actually help your brain and, and prevent things like dementia and doing activities that activate both sides of your brain are really, really important. One of those being ballroom dancing, which we don't do often enough in our society anymore, but <laughs> um, it's activities like that, where you actually have to physically think about what you're doing and think about what your partner's doing when you're dancing with them. You're activating both sides of your brain in, in the same, at the same time so that you can really keep things healthy. Yeah. Is there any other recommendations you can recommend to, to help merge both brains? Uh, other activities would be like things that are creative and logical at the same time. So crossword puzzles. So you have to use logic to answer them, but you also have the, have the creativity for the picture in them. So mm -hmm. things like that are also really helpful. Um, any kind of word puzzles, word and creativity. Uh, so as if you look at a lot of the new apps they have on phones, they have all these things with colorful graphics that are really pretty and they catch the creative side of your brain, but you're using logic to answer the questions on there. So you're kind of not knowingly uh, utilizing both sides of your brain with that as well. Yeah. And when we sleep, is our brain still active? It is very active. So does it, has, it even shut off? It's, uh, it never actually truly shuts off. It will always be going. And as, as we sleep, there are several different states of sleep that we need to get into to order to effectively get good sleep. You needed to get into that REM state. And some people are really light sleepers and they don't really ever get into that REM sleep. So they can sleep for eight hours, but if you don't get into that good sleep state, you're actually not going to re feel refreshed when you wake up. Mm. On the contrary, if you get too much of that REM sleep, you can also feel really groggy when you wake up in the morning. So it's really important to find a good balance. Um, some, of that, some of that you can control, some of it you can't. Um, if you have too much alcohol, too close to bed, that will prevent you from getting into a good sleep state. Again, some of those lifestyle things that we can do uh, mm. before getting there. Uh, but absolutely, our, uh, that's when our brain heals. So after a brain injury, after a brain trauma, that's when you really need to get good sleep because your brain is trying to heal and recover and create new connections and, and improve your brain health all over again. 
Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about our neurotransmitters like dopamine and cortisol and um, serotonin. Um, I'm, I'm often talking about cortisol a lot because it's our stress hormone. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly talking to people about that um, just to be careful, because anytime you you stress and your cortisol stays up high, you, your body's working against you. So can you mention or uh, share anything about that with our listeners? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, yeah, the cortisol is our stress hormone. So when we get overly stressed, though, that cortisol level is going to be unbalanced. There are some, some straight up tests that we can do to check the cortisol levels, but unfortunately they're not always super accurate. Sometimes if we're catch, catching a one-off, it's not catching it on a true time. Um, when I was going through my, my initial functional medicine testing, when I was a patient, they wanted to check my cortisol levels at different times of the day because that will also make an impact on you. If you're a night shift worker, for example, instead of a day shift worker, your cortisol level is going to be different at different times of the day than somebody who works a different shift than you. And that cortisol can impact your your daily thinking. It can make it difficult for you to comprehend what's going on, for you to, to focus on your work. And it actually increases the inflammation in your body as well. So some of our, sometimes our inflammatory markers go up as well because the cortisol level is up. And our body can sometimes compensate a little bit so that the cortisol is within that prescribed range that the lab checks it. But if you were to look at those inflammatory markers, they might actually be off. Um, Serotonin, another one that can be thrown off, especially when we're talking about somebody who's got mental health issues. And that is, is huge for stabilizing our mood. And the, there's a huge stigma in society about, about mental illness and depression, Mm -hmm. but sometimes that is just a hormone imbalance Mm -hmm. that needs a little bit of correction. So people are really oftentimes don't want to be on medications, but that's one time where it is actually helpful just to rebalance that serotonin and get it back to a normal level again. Mm -hmm. And then the dopamine I see because of Parkinson's patients. Yeah. So when, when our dopamine is... Our, our dopamine is what tells our body to move smoothly and appropriately. So when we don't have that correct level of dopamine in our body, we're not moving in appropriate fashions. And there are different neurological conditions, uh, Parkinson's and Huntington's is the other one um, that are, are the primary ones that are related to our dopamine measurements. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we preserve um, I know you've mentioned stressed, mm-hmm. but is there anything else we could do to preserve our neurological functioning? Or would you say like getting things like Parkinson is just, we could live healthy, we could eat healthy, we could do everything, and then we could still get this disease? Some of these neurological diseases, unfortunately, no matter what we do, we still might get them, especially if it's a genetic component. So if our family member had it, we're going to be more likely to have it. That said, it, a lot of it still breaks down to diet and how much we can really improve our diet. Anything that we eat that causes a lot of inflammation is going to increase the risk of any kind of vascular or neurological problem. Um, there was years ago, I heard that there was a study that called dementia, like a type three diabetes. Mm. So if we eat poorly, we get a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of processed foods in our diet. We're going to end up with things like that because our body just can't, can't break that down and utilize it appropriately in the body. So rather than it showing up as diabetes, it shows up as dementia later in life instead. Wow. That's interesting. And I mean, I think there's still a lot that we just don't know about the brain too. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your opinion about that? I 100% agree. <laughs> uh, they, it's, 
I've, I've heard it termed several times as the final frontier. We just don't have the answers for everything that's going on in the brain for as many years as we've been researching it. No two people are the same. So even if you have two people that had the exact same neurotransmitter levels, we can check all the labs. They're all the same. Their bodies are going to look very different and, and how they react to things around them is going to be very different. We just don't have an answer for that quite yet. There's, there's a lot that we say, well, we think it's this, but we, we diagnose things based on ruling out other problems. And we, we can't really a hundred percent say with all certainty that yes, this is what it is because we just haven't gotten to that point where we can answer those questions yet. Yeah. And what do you think about the fact that a lot of research is saying that we only use 10% of our brain? (laughs) That's probably true. Also, I've seen some of the studies where they show that like a PET scan and show our brain activity and and when we actually use our brain and the, it lights up more when we are forced to use the brain and, and actively think about things. But when we're not there, it's not all light lit up like that. So we're not using our entire brain on a regular basis. And then we have patients that have, have brain injuries and they should be devastating, but they're not because the patient has ways to create new connections that it's just, I, how do you answer that either? And sometimes I just look and wonder. Yeah. That's another thing. Um, neural pathways. Cause I know sometimes like, you know, if you take the same route every day, like, okay, th- your brain has already committed that to the subconscious mind. So it's like, yeah. it's just the same, it's nothing new, but like yeah. sometimes just simply taking a different route to work or like eating a different food or wearing a different color that you normally don't wear will like start to just awaken some different neural pathways in your brain. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, so I'm a big runner too. And one of the things they say with running is don't run the same path all the time because your muscles start to get used to it. So run a different path. Even if you just turn it around and run the same loop, a different direction, it tricks your mind enough into thinking that you're doing something different. It's that same thing with your day-to-day activities. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, you're always going to get the same results. Yeah. And I think the mind because that's the part we can't see, right? We can see the brain, like we could get MRIs, we could get scans, mm-hmm. we could look in that, but the mind is like this quantum field that no one can see. And I think that that's connecting some things as well. That is a lot of research. A lot of people are out there talking about it, but I think it's still a lot that that's very unknown. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So Mandy, what are some things you're doing now? How can our listeners reach you um, if they have any neurological issues um, or if they need treatment with headaches? Um, mm-hmm. What are some things that you're doing? Yeah. So I have an eight week program that is focused on trying to find those lifestyle modifications. What is causing your headaches um, called mitigating migraines. So I'm starting up that program. It's set to start up here very soon. I'm I'm always open for more clients for that. Um, I have a social media, so I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I have a wellness Wednesday topic that I post a little video on my, my social media on, on Facebook every week. So right now in the month of October, we're talking about nutrition actually. So every week is a little bit more on nutrition based on headache prevention and headache tips there. Um, you can find links to any of that on my website, which is www.brainwellnesssolutions.com. Um, so links to any of that are on there, including a link to set up a time to talk to me and to see if, if my headache program is right for you and looking for those lifestyle modifications. Yeah, that's awesome. And headaches is a big complaint. I mean, mm-hmm. we get patients all the time with a headache. 
What are some alarming signs as far as a headache that people need to completely bypass you, bypass Mm -hmm. and go straight to the emergency room? What are some of those alarming signs with, with a headache? If it is the worst headache of your life, you've never had one like that before. And it's just like a thunderclap headache. That is an absolute 911 emergency. And don't even drive yourself to the hospital in that one. Call 911 because they can start doing treatments on the way to the hospital. Um, If you have a headache that has unilateral symptoms, meaning one side of your body is affected, it looks like a stroke, um, things like that, that would be another 911 emergency. Don't call me, call the hospital, get in there because we need to figure out what's going on immediately the lifestyle things can come after that yeah and um is there anything else you can recommend um outside of the hospital um outside of uh pharmacology that other than reducing stress um specific treatments that people could do uh whether it's a tea or whether it's you know meditation or is there anything else that you could recommend that people can start doing um to treat headaches mm-hmm. you know they're not severe Right. Some of the easiest things you can do that don't require lab tests or anything. I'm a huge proponent of uh, natural supplements, magnesium being one of them. Women especially don't get enough magnesium in their bodies. Uh, So magnesium is huge, not a pharmacological treatment by, by standard thoughts, uh, but just trying to uh, replace what we normally would have in our, in our bodies. And especially for those of us in higher latitudes in the Midwest, we don't get a lot of sunshine, vitamin D is a really easy thing to do as well. That's going to help with so many aspects of, of neurological help. An easy way to do that actually is to get 10 minutes of sunshine every day without sunscreen on, not in the heat of the day. So not at noon, but 10 minutes, just get out there, get some sun on your face, on your chest um, and absorb it the natural way. If you can't get it the natural way, then a supplement would be, would be the next way to go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I have just a few more questions and then we will wrap up. Um, at the time of this recording, what would you say is the biggest matter of your heart? I think just stress for our society because it's everything is in so much flux right now. It's it's hard. And I see a lot of people that are, are sad and not where they want to be. Um, and I'm a fixer. I try to fix things for everybody and I can't fix it for a lot of people right now, including people in my own family. And that's hard. So that's huge on my heart right now. That is hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. When you just have to allow people to figure it out on, on their own, that is. Mm-hmm. And then what is a book or anything that you could recommend to our listeners? Um, it could be, it could be on brain health. It doesn't have to be is whatever you feel that something that helped you along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Actually, in the last several years, since I was diagnosed with my own health issues, uh, I've been really into Brene Brown because her books I like have Brene been Brown. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like they her. just, they hit you in all the fields. So uh, not specific to brain health, but it just really helps you on a personal level. So you can learn to realize that everybody is going through issues and we all we all have a little bit of control over it, but it's just taking a little lighter aspect of it. So yeah, she, I have down. one of her books, brave the wilderness. I'm not sure if you read that one, but that was one of my yeah. favorites. And, um, it, it was one of the ones that kind of put a nice spark and fire under me as well. So that's yep. a really great recommendation. Yep. And, um, so you mentioned your own health journey. Do you want to yeah. share that real quickly before we, we wrap up? Um, sure. was it, was it in headaches or I know you mentioned that earlier. 
Yeah. So I've had headaches since I was a teenager. That was the, the genetic thing. So migraines run in our families. Uh, and I had to do a lot of soul searching to figure out what my lifestyle triggers were to try to reduce them. Um, did have one last week. I hadn't had one like that in three years. So it works when you can find those triggers. Uh, but when it started three years ago is when I got diagnosed with a uh, autoimmune disorder. And that was brought out by stress. Uh, went through a stressful divorce and uh, came out the other end with a really nasty autoimmune disease that we haven't been able to identify exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. That's where that whole puzzle wow. still remains. Yeah. Uh, but on a day-to-day basis, it's uh, managing my my stress, managing my lifestyle so that I can try to minimize the symptoms that I have with it because they don't go away. Yeah. I've learned to live with it. Yeah. Um, did, did you decide to take medication or a little bit of both or... You know, I tried medications and I have one of those really, really uh, sensitive systems where I had side effects to everything that they tried to put me on. Mm -hmm. So mine ended up being that the only thing that I can do is lifestyle modification, which made it even more important for me to try to help other people as well, because pharmaceuticals aren't always the answer. uh, Sometimes it's more problematic than it is a gain. Yeah. And was that your bridge way into functional medicine, just going through your own journey? It was, yeah, being a patient and then seeing seeing what all other options were out there because I've been in the Western medicine world for so long that that's that's was that was my yeah uh, lens that I was looking <laughs> at the life at world through, and when I got had that experience and going through that as a patient, I absolutely fell in love and started taking uh, courses to get certified myself because it made that big of an impact on me. Wow, that's awesome! That is so awesome. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for uh, taking some time and shedding your light here with our listeners. Um, We just finished talking all about brain wellness. Okay, guys, if you have any headaches, if you just want to get in touch with Mandy, make sure you reach out to her. Um, This podcast is inspired by all things of the heart and soul. All right. This is how we connect our hearts with our minds for perfect alignment. So we appreciate you guys. Please like, subscribe and share and we will catch you at the next episode. Thanks, Mandy. Thank you.